a nuclear fallout shelter. What, my apartment? <laughs> Not your specific unit, no. The building, right? I don't think so. A lot of the Upper East Side buildings are. It doesn't say so on the side. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the school near my apartment does. Okay, that's a school. <laughs> I guess they had to be. Anyway... <laughs> Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi. And today we're going to be talking about lockdown. Because we can't not. (laughs) Honestly, I kind of wish we could skip this episode. We have the power, but we're not going to use it. I mean, we didn't skip Operation Broken Feather, so we can't skip lockdown. We had a much more interesting thing to say about Operation Broken Feather than we have to say about lockdown. Honestly, OBF at least had shipping, you know? Something all of us can get excited about. Yeah. But this didn't have shipping, so we couldn't get as excited about it. You have some um, housekeeping to do before we get started with the proper episode, right? Yes. So this episode is going to release on November 21st, and that's also the day that Carl and mine's guest spot on The Televoid releases, which is very exciting. The Televoid is a podcast run by some friends of ours, um, Mara Kate Elliott, Casey, and LaToya Ferguson, whom you guys know better as the reviewer for Brooklyn Nine-Nine for the AV Club. She's great. Everyone was great. We guest starred on their podcast. We did uh, a review of an episode of House, which... Which is the last episode of House I will ever watch. Same, probably. Unless I No, go definitely. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I used to be a fan, so there are there's a chance, a remote chance, I may go back and rewatch fun episodes. But that's neither here nor there. Y'all should go check them out. They're the Televoid. You can find them on iTunes or SoundCloud. I'll make sure to include them in the episode show notes for today. Um, as well as we'll like reblog and, and retweet them. That's the biggest piece of housekeeping. I think everything else can be kind of punted until another time. Okay. Well, then I will describe what slim things happen in this episode. Can I do the B-plot this time? I never get to do the B-plot. I was listening to an old episode. I'll give you those 15 seconds. Yes. In the A-plot, Jake's in charge for some reason, and a box full of white powder falls out out of Boyle's backpack for some reason. No, he knocks it off of another desk. I looked for it. Okay. Well, it falls off some other desk. It it looked innocuous, and then when he knocked it over, it broke, and the white powder came out. It is even less, like, cause and effect than I had thought. (laughs) Woo. The precinct goes into lockdown. Jake utterly fails to, you know, keep things under control. Amy gives some half-assed advice that the show believes is golden truth. And uh, eventually it wasn't a problem ever. Also, the, the, some lawyer sets himself up for a major class action lawsuit. Yeah. Like he's he... going to get so sued by the police department. He incited a riot on police property, like, on, on in a police station. Whoa. I he's even... going to jail forever. <laughs> wow, I didn't even think about that. So in the B-plot... <laughs> in the B-plot, the reason that Jake is left in charge in the first place is, A, he volunteered, but B, Sarge and Holt are off to Brighton Beach for a charity event. This gets sidelined immediately once the precinct goes into lockdown, and they take a detour to, to Sarge's house to sort of set up an off-site command central. At Sarge's house, his brother-in-law, Zeke, returns to the picture. Yay. As you can tell, Carl is super enthused by the return of Zeke. And Terry chooses a strategy of blaming Holt for all of his woes to get his brother-in-law to like him. For some reason. 
I feel like I wrote in my notes. I don't think Terry's wife would have believed it. Terry's wife doesn't exist when Zeke is around, which is weird because it's her brother. Terry's wife rarely exists. So I like the actor who plays Zeke. Like he's a perfectly affable guy. Yeah. This character is just like I kind of wish he was. Ugh, this sounds horrible. I'm not going to say it. I I think with Zeke less is more. And certainly him being, as you mentioned, and I realized belatedly, him being less of a bully is better. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, everything was just incredibly stretched out in this episode. Yeah. We should maybe talk about why. I've been seeing a lot of Tumblr meta, and, like, there were comments in the AV Club, and you and I were talking, like, this felt like Broken Feather. And Broken yep. Feather felt like Broken Feather because it was put together clearly like last minute, kind of cribbed together from some half-baked ideas that worked. Because they had to move an episode that was going to be, uh, that was going to show up on a certain day, and they had to basically move it to have something to put after the Super Bowl. Yes. And they couldn't have a very good episode about gay people being married after the Super Bowl. Yeah, that wasn't going to work. And it certainly wasn't going to work with the Prince lead-in either. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But the the in this case, we saw spoilers this summer of like, you know, this episode was going to be like Jake and Amy have to drive to some other location to pick up some document. And then they were going to like overnight to like do some investigative work. And then Amy's going to break up with Teddy, who shows up because Jake invites him. There was like a whole detailed plot that we all managed to see because one of the writers tweeted out the writing board. And, and then Eva Longoria came on board, and they completely changed the timing of when Teddy and Amy would break up. Mm-hmm. So now, it would make no sense to have them break up right now. And they had to make a new episode out of Whole Cloth. Mm-hmm. What's more, they probably diverted all their good last-minute writers to uh, last week's episode. Maybe I would maybe phrase that as they probably gave more overall resources to that. Cause like look, I'm being a little rude, yes. Because like the person who wrote this episode also wrote Unsolvable, so it's not like this is it's not like this is just a terrible writer who got assigned a shit it, job. It, this feels very um, rushed. Yes, there's a lot of things that are rushed about this. I mean, they cribbed a deleted scene from S1 for the cold open. A multiple people have confirmed this. That explains why Jake is comfortable rocking tie with shirt untucked which is a terrible move when i was live tweeting i was like that tie looks super short because the shirt's untucked yeah it's also a very short tie yeah both of those things are true it's not one or the other i guess Mm -hmm. and then i mean you can tell because amy's hair is noticeably longer in the episode (laughs) and even more than that though like it it felt like back to basics in kind of a weird way like, everyone felt like S1 characterization. You've got Wet Blanket Amy. You've got, like, man-child, like, leaning really hard on the man-child thing for Jake. You've got cre- super creepster, your words are creepster goblin boil. <laughs> like, yeah. And then we've got we've got a Gina who feels really shallow in a way that she hasn't in a long time. She feels out of control. Yeah. And she hasn't, I mean... This this is the season when Gina, like, couldn't stop sleeping with Boyle and got kicked out of Florgasm. But, like, we know by now that Gina's the kind of person who goes to night classes to get a degree while also working a full-time job. Right? <laughs> like, we... 
<laughs> she puts in probably more than 40 hours at this job, right? She's not the kind of person who's going to assume that she's going to die when looking at a room full of police officers who are not panicking. She's not going to be the least in control person in a room. Yeah. Yeah. The Boyle characterization in particular kind of throws this episode into a weird space. Yeah, he... It's weird because he's... No one likes Boyle in this episode. Succulent. Yeah, I mean, he never does anything likable for anyone. And it, like... At most, he's tolerated, which is not the way things were anymore. Like, there's one moment where you could see season two Boyle come in, which is when Gina wills the memory of her supple body to him. And he, like, looks in every direction and then looks down and is like, help, I'm trapped in a memory. Um, but it's not an appropriate memory for a workplace environment. But that's it. The rest of the time he's kind of, like, bouncing around and doing all the weird promo shit that they always farm off to him. Like the single ladies dance. Like, whatever. They needed to have three video promos. Like, this episode felt like a string of video promos on Fox.com. It felt like... It felt like a series of sketches narratively tied together. Yeah. That's not inherently a problem. But these aren't the sketches that would make it to the top of a show. I think the biggest sin that this episode commits is that there are just so many missed opportunities. You know? Like... Starting from the basic premise of this episode, I remember when I when I first saw the press release, me and uh, the editor-in-chief of Give Me My Remote, um, Marissa Rothman, we were talking, and I was like, bottle episode! And she was like, bottle episode! And we were both, like, screaming noises at each other on Twitter. Like, it was pretty great. And I really enjoyed the idea of a bottle episode, because when Community did a bottle episode, a bottle episode is just basically, for those unaware, is, like, you put all of your cast of characters in a room together largely in isolation, and basically turn up the heat. And the idea is, like, you know, you get a pressure cooker situation, and you kind of wait to see which one pops. And and in this case, popping is, like, th- their personality gets kind of thrown into overdrive. Um, it's a stress test. It's fun, because it's, it brings up interesting sides to everyone's characters, right? There's too many people here. Well, specifically, there's... Like, even partially it's that they give so much time to all these, like, random civilians. yeah. But also, like, there's, like, eight of them or whatever trapped in there. It's everyone except Holt and, Ter- Holt and Terry, right? So yeah. it's So it's, like, two, four, six, seven. Yeah. Hitchcock and Scully, Jake and Amy, there's Rosa There's four Boyle, good Gina. detectives, two terrible detectives, and Gina. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> My partners. <laughs> So there's seven of them, right? Yeah. But also, like, none of them crack at all, except Gina. And even and that didn't feel real. Yeah. Like, this isn't... We didn't get to anything more real about their emotional state. Right, and that, I think, is the most frustrating thing, because the point of a bottle episode is to do exactly that, you know? So not only was this missed on a bottle episode level, but, like, as a Thanksgiving episode... Like, last year's was all about, like, Jake hating Thanksgiving because his mom worked and his dad was gone, and he hates Thanksgiving. This year it's because turkey doesn't taste good. Turkey tastes like napkins, and the Native Americans were, like, had genocide committed against them. 
Yeah, those yeah. are good reasons. I mean, those are accurate statements but, and very but good like, reasons to not celebrate American Thanksgiving. But Jake has an actual reason why he doesn't, and that, and we know that, so it kind of like cheapens it a little. Not to mention, like, I thought they would like play up, play on the found families thing, because like realistically, everyone clearly had other plans for Thanksgiving, right? Yep. So the like I'm all alone would have been really kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or certainly not what House did to take it back to our other podcast. I'm not letting you take it back to House. <laughs> well, what no I... more. No House. <laughs> this is a no House house. You're in my house where House isn't. This is a safe, safe House house? Not that either. <laughs> <laughs> but see what I'm saying? I think you need some kind of accreditation to be a uh, safe house. Point being, like... I still think the found families thing just being, like, passed by was, like, such a missed opportunity. There's no space with all these, like, random terrible lawyers who are going to get their asses sued off. But they should have done found families instead of this. Mm. Like, I I love, I I feel like they could have done lockdown, like, a bottle episode. They could have done found family in a bottle episode, which is what Community did. But, like... I, they this this option is like it's like the worst kind of door duty. All the weirdos came to them. You know what would have been better mm. if half of them had been on the outside when the tape went up, like not just Hitchcock, like Leverage. Uh, I mean, sort of. Leverage is like a lot of things. Do you mean like the time when some of them were trapped down a mine and maybe it was going to explode? Or do you mean the time where they were in a plane and they had to land on a, on a runway in the Cayman Islands? I meant the time they were in a bank being held hostage. Yes, yes. like that. That's a really good episode. Yeah, right? Um, there's a lot of times when the gang is split up like that in Leverage. Leverage is a great show. You should watch it. Um, but at leverage illustrates what you're trying to say here. Like, if if there were people on the outside trying to provide some kind of comedic moral support and, like, you know, expedite their situation in some way, and there were fewer people on the inside, and less fucking civilians, like, you could have, like, a third as many civilians, then, I, then it wouldn't just, like... But to be fair, they could have done a better episode. Well, they had time for, what, 23 minutes... Well, not even 23 minutes. They had time to film 18 new minutes of zany shenanigans. So they did. So before we move on to the things that were kind of okay about this episode, Amy, what is she doing? Amy, okay, I really did not, you and I were talking about this before, I really did not agree with how the narrative validated Amy's position about the hostage, not the hostage, the lockdown situation. Yeah. Like, every, I, all through my notes, I have, like, a full fucking page of notes of just, like, me being like, why, Amy, why? (laughs) Like, one of the things I wrote down was, honestly, I agree with Jake that keeping the peace and the morale up is really important here in a situation like this. And I'm kind of annoyed that the episode positions Debbie Downer Amy as, like, that's who, that's who she is for most of the episode. She's this total wet blanket. And that's, like, that's such S1 characterization. Like, any episode that takes place after full, no, fancy breadgum shouldn't have Amy be this level of wet blanket. The thing is that half of the things she suggests are right, though. Like, rationing food. Yes. Giving some degree of information in a controlled fashion. Yes. Jacob pieces way too much. And I think that Amy's method would have been more competent. It's still not, like... 
oh, obviously optimal. Right. Like, my notes even say, like, this is not a binary decision. You can do both things. You could have the stand-up routine and also be quietly rationing food on the side. You can tell people very calmly, look, we don't know what's going on. They're testing. We're going to be here for a while. Get comfortable. Call your family. Tell them you're going to be all right. Yeah. You, there was no need for this to be a one-zero kind of situation. The degree to which Amy wanted to go for, like, martial law, everybody on the ground, pretty worrisome for the one who wants to be captain. <laughs> um. Especially because I would have expected Rosa hit him with a phone book where no one can see. Rosa was just, like, watching a situation that she had no reason to take control of because it's a total shitstorm, and she doesn't need that on her record. Yeah. Like, at the end of this... It's not Rosa's fault that the couch caught fire. And it never will be. Yes. Uh, so so much like just annoyance with how with how Amy was characterized and how the narrative like bent over backwards to validate her. Yeah, and it's like what I really disliked was that it was punishing Jake for not taking that route. Mm-hmm. And it's not his fault. Mm-mm. It's their fault. Mm-hmm. Amy's episode would have been boring as hell. They're always going to go for this like zany nonsense because they had nothing else. <laughs> I, I they had nothing. They were like, Joe, what can you do? And he's like, I can do single ladies. And they're like, do single ladies. We'll find some backup dancers and make them prostitutes. Do you want to unpack this? Do you want to unpack this? There's nowhere to take it from there. I mean, like... It was a talent show. Jake did a Grover voice because they were like, Andy, Andy, what can you do? Oh, Grover. I met Grover. Good job. <laughs> okay, that, yeah, I know you're like, I know you're worked up, but meeting Grover was kind of like the highlight of my New York Comic Con. Oh, cool. Like, I met, I met the pup, I met the specific Muppet that appears on the show. I also met the voice actor. It was super great. And I tweeted pictures during the live tweet. Of proof of me meeting Grover. Cool. Good Grover. Grover is awesome. I I'm not trying to diminish this. There's nothing I can do with this anecdote, Arthi. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I anyway. So speaking of single ladies, I actually thought that was one of the few bright spots of this episode. I guess. I mean. Though I'm mad that nobody brought up the the obvious. Like, no one. No one. I was watching the live tweet, like, in real time, both West Coast and East Coast. Nobody brought up the, <laughs> you're looking at me like everyone else. No, I'm trying to figure out if you're going where I think you're going. Nobody brought up the Sandberg, Timberlake, Moynihan, Dancing with Beyonce thing nope. from 2008. Not where I thought you were going with this. Nobody. I mean, it's the goddamn single ladies dance. I remember. Most people have less encyclopedic knowledge of Andy Samberg's movements than you do. Uh, okay, so fine. It's not his specific motions. It's the canon of his work. Thank you. While Arthur's recovering, I'll say that the thing I was just thinking about, about that moment, was... Um, Gina lamenting the fact the last thing she one of the last things she was going to see was Boyle doing a dance, which what she was doing the part where the lyrics are if you like it you should have put a ring on it. That's all. Maybe she should have. That's all. I am surprised we didn't see them have like. It's because it's a thoroughly meaningless moment. <laughs> no, but like. You would think that Gina would be like, well, if we're going to die, fans will bone one more time. Where? 
<laughs> the evidence lockup, like... They can't make it to the evidence lockup. Oh, they can make it to the evidence lockup. Because Jake and Amy are explicitly in yeah. the evidence lockup. It's unclear to me which parts are actually locked down. It's also unclear to me which floor this this, this office is on, because, like, there's the balcony outside, but they're on the first floor. They're not on the first floor. They've never been on the first floor. Well, according to the... the there's an elevator. Yeah, but next to the elevator is like a, a building listing, like yeah. a floor listing, and Homicide and Vice are on one. Well, <laughs> that must not be them. <laughs> They're the detectives in charge of detecting, are they? That's 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 not. who they are. No one knows what squad they're in. Yeah, they're their own squad. They they're do in the, everything. They're in the 9-9. Nine nine. They do all Everyone of Everyone else is assigned to things, but they are in the 9-9. Nine nine. I mean, the DEA is in this building, so we already have problems. Yes. I don't know what I was talking about. But no, it's definitely not on the first floor. No. All indication that it's not. Yeah, there's no reason for it to be. Although I also, didn't... Also, he tried to climb up there. Yeah. Like, there's pigeons up there. It's more than ten feet... Up. It's more than one story up, too. Yes. Yeah. We also... I mean, we also know that, like... I didn't realize that the door to that balcony is, like, next to Amy's desk. <laughs> like, I thought it was, like, somewhere else. I think it's further than that. Because, like, it's past Jake's desk, at least. I think it's between that and Terry. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. I think it's next to the, um... The break room door? The break room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, uh, single ladies dance. Like, no, nobody remembered. I can't remember. I can't believe no one remembered. I still don't know what you're talking about. So Saturday Night Live in 2008 did, because that was when Single Ladies, the video came out. Okay. Did a parody, uh, sketch of Beyonce recording that video. And it was the episode where Paul Rudd guest starred because Latoya and I remembered this because I said Latoya and Latoya said Arthy and it was we, we had a moment. But Paul Rudd was hosting in 08 and they they did like a sketch where Beyonce comes out and she's like, all right, let's record the music video. I, I want to meet the backup dancers. And the backup dancers are played by Justin Timberlake, Bobby Moynihan and, and Andy Samberg. And this is when Moynihan and Samberg were first added as uh, repertory players probably would have been like their first maybe second year on the show um and and so they do like the full parody but of course the three guys didn't learn the dance so beyonce is up there like doing her like you know yeah doing the dance from the video and the guys are in heels and like the the one piece leotard not doing the dance i mean and timberlake who is a professional dancer and probably could have done the dance didn't do the dance yeah, I mean, Timberlake is good at comedies. Yeah, I think he... Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen that, which is why I don't remember it. It was massively popular for, like, a long... Like, for, like, a year. Like, you, everyone knew it. It got a gift yeah, everywhere. Yeah, but I never saw single ladies. Oh. For, like, more than a year. Oh. And I didn't look at uh, GIFs during that time period. Oh. See, I was on Oh No, They Didn't at the time. I was not. Yeah. I had basically no connection to popular culture at that time. This is the worst. I was I was uh, focusing hard on the nerd track. I mean, I was on a different level of nerd, right? Fangirl is a different life. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> that that happened and uh, I'm I'm honestly surprised I apparently was the only person who remembered that. So, <laughs> go me. And apparently I think I am the only person who ever remembered that. Because I'm pretty sure no one else remembered that. I don't think Andy Samberg remembers doing that. (laughs) Nobody remembers it. Except for me and the internet. He probably remembers it better than you do. Because 
it was a physical experience for him. <laughs> Should we talk about Teddy being a home brewer? There's not much to say. I love I mean, that, though. I love that. I Shout out to my parade, because she ships Teddy Pilsners. And she's getting a lot of material for her ship. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's unlikely that ship will ever sink. I mean, homebrewing is the activity of someone who's very studious and has a lot of free time that they want to spend homebrewing. Also, bottling is apparently the worst part of homebrewing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I asked all my homebrewer friends. Shout out to Eric and Henry uh, for for what? what? <laughs> I don't know those guys. <laughs> they're good friends of mine, and I was like, "What's it like?" And they're like, "This is the worst part of homebrewing." And I was like, "Amy, maybe you should not be so excited to go see your man." Then again, maybe she isn't. Well, I mean, I think that she's on the Pilsner train and she doesn't have any way off. <laughs> I think she locked herself into that. Though Does we've Amy never... even drink? Do we see Amy drink beer? I was literally about to ask you, have we ever seen her hold a beer? I mean, I'm sure we've seen her hold a beer, but she always prefers Rocks Class drinks. Yeah. She's almost always got a Rocks Class. I can't think Sometimes of... there's only beer around, but if anyone's not drinking beer, it'll be Amy. Accurate. I mean, Jake has never been seen with anything but beer. We've never seen him with shots. He says that he's going to go do shots at the end of I'm sorry. Unsolvable. I was wrong. So they say shots, but we never see the shots on camera. But I'm wrong anyway, because he and Jimmy Brogan just drink whiskey. Yeah, but that's not his choice. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. We almost always see Jake with... Um, Beer. Uh, and in Unsolvable, when he makes that horrible pickle drink. Uh, you mean... Um, undercover. Undercover. Pickle drink? Olives. Uh, whatever. I'm, I'm done. I'm done talking about this episode. I didn't enjoy it. It held up even worse on, re- on rewatch. See, so like, the first time I watched it, I kind of was only half paying attention. Because it had been a long day, and I wanted to play some computer games. And then the next day I was like, man, I don't remember liking anything about that episode. Maybe it'll be better when I watch it again for the podcast. Nope. The best part of this episode was, like, live-tweeting it and having Melissa Fumero retweet and return, like, talk to me. That was nice. The mm-hmm. interactions I had with, like, the like Marshall Boone and Melissa Fumero and, and the other people who work behind the show who we're in contact with. I mean, like, Rick Page sent us the behind-the-scenes picture of them filming Terry and... I'm sorry, Terry Crews and Andre Barr's car scenes. Uh, we got behind-the-scenes pictures from that shoot, which was really cool. And means we can pinpoint exactly where this is filmed. Yep. But, I mean... Th- That's about it. Yeah, I actually didn't enjoy the episode itself. I enjoyed everything around the episode. There were some funny jokes. There were, but, good, there were a couple of great one-liners. But there's always going to be a couple of funny things. Yeah. Even in, like... What turns out to be a really boring episode. It just doesn't hold up. Yeah. It just doesn't hold up. But luckily, you know, a week from now we'll get another episode and we'll be able to put this behind us. Yeah. So should we talk about the only other bright spot, which is Amy's, like, locker room, fourth quarter, Friday Night Lights, buck up speech? I wasn't impressed by it. I, I I liked it as a character note. But it's n- it wasn't bright enough to save the episode, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, you can't really have a very impressive character note when the characters are so far, to- so far out of character leading up to it. So, it didn't land for me. But 
Did it stick the dismount? Probably not. But I I did feel like it kind of... It was shaky, but it was there. Good effort? I mean, it was shaky, but it was there. Yeah. You know, she was supposed to maybe land on the inside edge of her blade, and she landed on the outside edge, but she recovered nicely. You're, you're mixing your metaphors now. Yeah, gymnastics to figure no skating. There's no dismounts <laughs> in ice skating that would be hazardous and or perilous. I speak figure skating better than I speak gymnastics, even though mm. I grew up with a gold medal gymnast. But that's a story for another time. I guess I will say the only consistent bright spot in this episode was actually Holt. When he did his disappointed dad voice at Jake and, like, him supporting Terry and, like... I really liked him in the cold open from a previous season. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to check out our episode of The Televoid, which is A, longer and B, much more funny than this. Even a terrible episode of House was, like, generated more conversation from us. True. True. There were also five people on that podcast, so maybe that was also why. <laughs> cool. We'll put a link to the Televoid in Show places. Notes. Yeah. Places where we do. Yeah. Be sure to rate us on iTunes, uh, send us some asks, all the usual things, and follow us on Twitter. We do live blogs, live tweets of the episode every Sunday during the air, and we usually end up like doing extra during the West Coast airing. Mm. Well, uh, that's it for this week. So, I'm Carl. My name's Arthi. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye!